But there's a lot more going on than just Jesus having a picnic in Luke chapter 9. If you were to go back to verse 1 of chapter 9, just a few verses before, you would see Jesus sending out his disciples. And when he sends out his disciples, he gives them power. He gives them authority to cast out demons, to cure disease, and to preach the kingdom. This is their first shot at this whole ministry thing. And so they do just that, and then they return. How do you think those disciples are returning to Jesus? Well, I bet you they're ecstatic. I bet you they've got lots of questions that they're eager to get answers to. I bet you they've got lots of stories to tell Jesus about their ministry expeditions. So that's how the disciples enter in to this whole interaction that we just read about. But what about Jesus? How's he entering into this debriefing with the disciples? Well, a few things have happened even since verse 1 of chapter 9. The first thing is that his dear cousin, John the Baptist, has died, and not from natural causes, by the way. He died because of an insecure leader, Herod. He was beheaded. And Jesus has been doing miracles. He's becoming increasingly popular, like rock star popular. And so crowds are always coming around him to see what he's going to do next. Lots of fanfare. And of course, the bigger the crowds get, the more the Jewish leaders get hostile, and they're hostile towards Jesus. So here you have Jesus. Here's his whole mix of his interior state. He's sad because he lost his cousin. He's fearful because one of those powerful people in the world, Herod, is now after him. He's tired because the crowds won't leave him alone, and he's angry that these Jewish leaders, these people who have the Old Testament, they have the Scriptures, they've got the Old Testament prophecies that points towards the Messiah, and they don't see that those prophecies are being fulfilled in Jesus. So you see Jesus. Excited disciples, tired, afraid, sad, angry Jesus. And so now, the one Jesus, the 12 disciples, they're in need of the same thing, a retreat. Disciples need it to reflect. Jesus needs it to rest. They just need some time, just the 13 of them. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> because yet, another crowd surrounds Jesus. So what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to turn them away and say, Hey, me and the disciples, we just need, we just have some needs. We'll come back here in a couple days. Or does he meet the needs of those who look upon him? Well, look at the second half of verse 11. You see three verbs. Jesus welcomes the crowd. He speaks of the kingdom of God to the crowd. And he heals the sick within the crowd. So he does ministry with these people, even though he's got his own needs. Disciples have their needs. And so he's been doing this ministry, welcoming, speaking, and healing. And he's been doing this all day. This is one of the very few passages in the Gospels that's accounted for in all four of the Gospels. And if you read those all together, you get the scene that Jesus is in this field and he's doing ministry all day. And if he's doing ministry all day, how do you think the people out in the crowd are feeling? They're hungry. And if you hadn't heard this story, what would you expect? Who's going to notice their hunger? The disciples or Jesus? 
Who's more in tune with the needs of the crowd? I'm sure you would guess Jesus. But you'd be wrong. Because it was the disciples. The disciples are the ones who are more empathetic. They want to care for the crowd. They want to meet the needs of the crowd. And they do what we all do, these disciples, especially those of us who are men. They come up with options. They build a plan. They want to execute it. And their first option is to put the hunger on those who are hungry. That they should just go down into the town and get food for themselves. And so they ask Jesus, hey Jesus, will you take a pause, a time out here? Quit this welcoming, this speaking the kingdom, and this healing the sick. Just take a break. We'll come back to it and send all these people down to get some food. We can tell they're hungry. And Jesus responds in a way that should shock you. Verse 13, he says, you give them something to eat. How rude. (laughs) I mean, isn't it their job to get food for themselves? And if it's not their job to get food for themselves, it's Jesus's. So is Jesus shirking his responsibility? Is he too sad, too angry, too tired to deal with the crowd and he responds out of that? I think you'll see that that's not the case. And so Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. It's like Jesus and the disciples are playing hot potato. The disciples see a need, and they throw the hot potato to Jesus, and Jesus throws it right back to them. And the disciples catch it, and they come up with two more options. The first one is, hey, let's gather up some food and then feed the crowd. So they gather up their food. There's just two fish and five loaves. That's barely enough to feed the 12 of them and Jesus. So that's insufficient for 5,000 people. Their second idea is, hey, let's flip the bill. But that, that's silly. If they pass the plate, they didn't have enough money to feed 5,000 people between the 13 of them. But Jesus still holds their feet to the fire. He will not let them throw the potato back at him. And so what the disciples do is that they're going to have to give Jesus the little that they have. They have to give Jesus the five loaves and the two fish. Because Jesus wants to work with what they have, even though it's inadequate. And Jesus is teaching them a key lesson. Until you see that what Jesus wants you to do is impossible, you're unqualified to do it. If you're going to write down anything today, if you're going to think about anything for the rest of the day, it's that. Until you see that what Jesus calls you to do is impossible, you're unqualified to do it. This is the way Jesus deals with people. If you just went back four chapters before, Luke chapter 5, here's what you would see. Jesus calls some fishermen to be his disciples. And he meets them while they're in their boats fishing. And these, decide, these future disciples, they've been fishing all night long and they've caught nothing. And Jesus tells them to put their nets out again. But stop there. Wouldn't you think Jesus would take the nets from the disciples and fish for them? But he doesn't. So why did he make the disciples put the nets out? It's because he's teaching them the same lessons in the boats that he's teaching the disciples with the feeding of the 5,000. 
He wants to use our meager resources and multiply them. But notice when the food is multiplied. Notice when the fish are caught. The food's multiplied as the disciples distribute it. The fish are caught as they lower the nets. This is significant. It means that Jesus is okay with you not having very much. Jesus is okay with your foibles. He's okay with your failures. In fact, you and I will not see multiplication in our lives until we give Jesus our little. As long as you keep holding back, saying, I don't have enough for God to use me, you won't see multiplication happen. And so today we're looking at the mission statement of our church. And I think this passage has everything to do with our mission statement. And our mission statement is this, that we want to bring the person and work of Jesus Christ to bear in every area of our lives and our community. We want to bring the person and work of Jesus Christ to bear in every part of our lives and our community. See, here's our firm belief as a church. This isn't unique to our church. This is hopefully true of all churches. And it's that Jesus is the center of history. He's the center of the message of the Bible, and he should be the center of our lives. But here's what happens slowly over the course of time is that most churches replace the person and work of Jesus with peddling the ideology of the, either the political left or the political right. These ideologies, they illumine our imaginations. They make us feel alive with passion because we long for a better world. But there's no real hope to be found in the world of ideas. Our hope only is found in a person, Jesus, and what he did for our behalf, on our behalf. And this hope isn't just found once. It's found over and over and over again in an ongoing way. Because Jesus wants to bring his personal work to bear in every area of your life. He doesn't want to just get you out of hell and into heaven. He wants his grace to fill the cracks and potholes of your life. He wants to mend the broken places in your life with grace. He wants to bring the dead places in your life to life by his grace. So whether you've been walking with Jesus for a week or for six decades, there's more ground for Jesus to take in you. See, that's the first half of our mission statement, to bring the person and work of Jesus Christ to bear in every area of our lives, meaning inside the walls of our church. But there's a second half to our mission statement. The second half is about bringing the person and work of Christ to bear with our community, meaning those on the outside of our church. See, just like this, this passage, Jesus is clearly concerned about two groups of people, the crowds and the disciples. Because the crowds and the disciples need the same thing. They need Jesus. And for most of us, we either think that Jesus is just about, that, our, that the church exists just for us. That it's about going deep. It's about our discipleship. It's about building community and our relationships with one another. That's what we think church is really all about. And we read this passage and we see that Jesus is just concerned about the disciples. But it's just, that's not the whole truth. It's also true that he cared about the crowds. That's why he fed them. 
And for some of us, that's what we think the church is all about. It's about meeting the needs. It's about doing evangelism. But what Jesus shows us in Luke chapter 9 is that this is just a false dichotomy. Because Jesus used ministry to grow the faith of the disciples. Now it's possible that some of us, we've been quite stagnant in our faith. We've been waiting for something to jolt us. You've expected some feeling to rush upon you in worship, some friendship to be especially nourishing, some Bible study or counselor to be the thing that supercharged your transformation. But what if the thing that's going to give you life is actually doing ministry? You might say, Marcy, you just don't understand. I'm just not in the place to serve right now. I'm so low spiritually. My kids have worn me down. My marriage is in a tough place. I don't have any money. I don't have any time. You, you, you might be right. But you also might be like the disciples in Luke 9. Where Jesus is saying, you give them something to eat. And you've got to take inventory of just how little you have and give it to Jesus. It might be a lack of experience. It might be a lack of personality fit. It might be a lack of energy. But Jesus can take our little and multiply it. Let me go back to what I said just a minute ago, that the crowds and disciples needed the same thing that day at Bethsaida. They needed Jesus. And what you need, Hope Presbyterian Church, what our community needs outside the walls of this church is the same thing, Jesus. I mean, notice the verbs that Jesus uses once he takes the food. The first verb is took. The second verb is blessed. The third verb is broke. The fourth verb is gave. Took, blessed, broke, gave. Took, blessed, broke, gave. You know where you hear those four verbs? The Last Supper. And what Luke 9, the feeding of the 5,000, is pointing to is to the Last Supper. And we know what the Last Supper is all about. It's about the substitutionary work of Jesus on our behalf. Because Jesus took the assignment of living the life that we should have lived, a perfect one, righteous before a holy God. That Jesus even blessed accusers along the way instead of cursing them. Jesus, in the end, had his body broken, just like the loaf of bread that day in the field. And then Jesus gives his life, his death, his resurrection, and now his spirit to us so that we can enjoy him. Took, blessed, broke, gave. And here we now stand as a church, and I think we're in the perfect place to recognize that we don't have very much. COVID has stripped us of any sense of adequacy. All of us are mildly to severely depressed. We're all mildly to severely lonely. And then we look at the call of our church. And the call of our church is to minister to the skeptic, to the poor, and to those who are different than us. And I don't know about you, but the skeptics, they're not just skeptical because they're ignorant of the Christian gospel. They're hostile to the Christian gospel. And it seems like it would take a miracle for them to come to faith. And Jesus says, 
perfect. I'm into miracles. Then we look at this whole issue of the poor and we're like, man, I've never been in a church that even talked about or attempted to do anything about the poor. We just lack so much experience. And Jesus says, I can work with that because experience isn't what makes for effective ministry. And now we look at people who are different than us. We can look at their ethnicity, their their socioeconomic position, their political persuasion, their culture. And we just say, man, that's just so hard. And our solutions are either just advocacy or just building relationships. But both are just too simple. This whole issue is so complex. And when things are complex, we want to quit because we feel so overwhelmed. And Jesus says, I only work with people who know they don't have what it takes. See, as I see it, I just think we're in a great spot as a church. We know we can't fix ourselves. We've been trying for a year and a half. We know we can't fix our community. It's just too overwhelming. But if we'll give Jesus our two fish, if we'll give Jesus our five loaves, we can experience what the disciples did, and it's a miracle. We'll see God use us. Our faith will grow, and we'll be just like the disciples in verse 17. We'll be picking up baskets full of blessings, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, help us believe that when we give you little, you multiply it. In Jesus' name, amen.